You can be turning to Isaiah uh, chapter 62 this morning. While you're turning there, we were talking about the Philippine missions. Uh, Brother um, Rick had, uh, I think, asked about uh, uh, Primitive Baptist churches over there. And there are Primitive Baptist churches, and I'm privileged to preach in some of them. One of them is in Asuncion on the island of Mindanao. Brother Maglinty is the pastor <clears throat> there, has been, and I've preached that, at that church. I believe every time I've been in the islands, uh, at least after, uh, uh, the, the, after the third trip, uh, Brother McGlinty is a very precious, very precious brother and pastor. And uh, another one is in uh, uh, on Dow East, the island of Dow East. Uh, Brother Mario Omila, but I'm sad to say today that uh, Brother Omila has passed. He is he has died. Uh, I'm going to miss him. He again was a very precious brother, and I've preached in his church again every time I think I've been in the islands since uh, the first first three trips. So uh, pray for Sister Ruby Lynn and the family there, and um, uh, pray that God will provide a pastor for that uh, that Primitive Baptist Church. So. All right, so many other things, uh, again, that could be said, but uh, for the, uh, that be for another time. This morning, again, in Isaiah chapter 62, very precious verses of Scripture to me, and I trust that they will be to you, or maybe they already are. Most of what we preach uh, in this Bible uh, people that have been the people of God, uh, again, uh, chosen, called out, and have been blessed to be uh, part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, know most of the scriptures. We don't preach things to most people in, in the church service like this that you don't already have read at least the, the scriptures. But... Uh, it's just freshness, I hope, and I hope that it is uh, fresh this morning to us. If you've never read this chapter, uh, then I hope that uh, it will be one of your favorites when we get through. Now, let me just say this, too, that uh, I'm, we have a time limit here. Uh, and I'm, I'm not going to do like I do, do oftentimes in the Philippines because it's not unusual there to preach for an hour and a half and uh, the people just want you to continue, to just go on. Uh, I was in the uh, city of Hingugug uh, on the island of Mindanao and I preached for an hour and a half and I thought, well, the people are bound to be getting tired and they want to stay, they'll want to take a, a break. And uh, so I, I, I asked the pastor about it and all the whole congregation out there of about 200 people hollered out, no, go on, go on. So uh, again, that's just to tell you the enthusiasm that those people have for the word of God. Now, uh, 
granted, it gets hard sitting for even an hour sometimes, uh, even on these kind of benches. But uh, again, I'm just putting that forth to give you just a little bit of more insight. But in Isaiah chapter 62, here is the Word of God. Here is the, I want first to say the promise of God, but instead I want to say it's the declaration of God. The declaration of God. He is determined to do everything, of course, that is His will to do, and He will do it. Uh you know, we don't have to worry about whether God's will is going to be done. His will is going to be done. My concern for myself is, do I rejoice in that will? That's the thing for me, is to rejoice in that will. Uh, I know He's going to do what He has ordained to be done from before the foundation of the world that is my joy. Absolute, that is my joy. So here we are, verse 1, For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest until the righteousness thereof go forth as brightness and the salvation as a lamp that burneth. And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness and all kings thy glory, and thou shalt be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. Thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. Now let me pause right there for just a moment. <clears throat> and again, I'll say this. I hope that, that, that this is gripping your mind that it is gripping your heart. The, the declaration of God of what He is going to do for His church, for His people. He is going to do this. That's my confidence. I have no confidence in my own ability, in my own flesh, in my own strength. The only confidence I have is in God, but dear beloved, it is a great confidence because again, I know that He's going to do what He has determined to do. If He wrote my name on the Lamb's book of life or in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world, then my name is going to remain there until the day of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he that hath begun a good work in me is going to perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. He's going to do it. The almighty sovereign God is going to do that. If I sin, what is he going to do? Is he going to cast me off? No. He is going to chastise me and he's going to bring me back into the way of righteousness. In a sense, he is going to bring me back into this place that he's talking about here. The righteousness go forth as brightness and the salvation as a lamp that burneth. 
But we go on in verse 4. Thou shalt no more be termed forsaken, neither shalt thy land any more be termed desolate, but thou shalt be called Hephzibah, and thy land Beulah, for the Lord delighteth in thee, and thy land shall be married. Now, again, we're going to get into this in just a moment, but he's talking here about Jerusalem, about Zion, right? So what he begins, for Zion's sake, for Jerusalem's sake. But who is this Jerusalem and what is God's purpose in this Jerusalem? And we'll get to it in just a moment. Verse 5, For as a young man marrieth a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee. And as the bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day nor night. Yea, are ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence, and give him no rest till he establish until he make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. The Lord has sworn by his right hand and by the arm of his strength, surely I will no more give thy corn to be meat for thine enemies, and the sons of the strangers shall not drink thy wine, nor the which thou, or for the which thou hast labored. But they that have gathered it shall eat it, and praise the Lord, and they that have brought it together shall drink it in the courts of my holiness. Go through, go through the gates, prepare ye the way of the people, cast up, cast up the highway, gather out the stones, lift up a standard for the people. Behold, the Lord hath Proclaimed unto the end of the world, say ye to the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy salvation cometh, behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. And they shall call them the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, and thou shalt be called sought out a city not forsaken. Now, isn't it again marvelous here that in the verse, these first, the last three verses, he is proclaiming that he is going to make the way plain, he's going to make it clear, he is going to open up the way that it is going to be a way to walk in, that he's going to guide us through it. Now, uh, very quickly, Turn with me back over to chapter 66. In verse 20 of chapter 66, he says, And they shall bring all your brethren for an offering unto the Lord out of all nations. We talked about that very, very briefly this morning already, right? Upon horses and in chariots and in litters, and upon mules, and upon swift beasts, to my holy mountain Jerusalem, saith the Lord, as the children of Israel bring an offering, 
in a clean vessel into the house of the Lord. You note that however it is, I mean, he's going to get it done, isn't he? There's nothing that's going to stop God from bringing his people together and to bring them out of sin into this thing called salvation. God is going to do it. But now, uh, he's talking in our text then about Jerusalem. He's also, though, talking about the holy people, right? Uh, the two are are very much related then, are they not? Uh, but Jerusalem, I believe, represents unto us the whole redemptive work of God. Turn with me over to Galatians, and we're going to see a little bit more about who and what this Jerusalem is. In Galatians, in chapter 4, Verse 22, it says, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid and the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise. Which things are an allegory? For these are the two covenants, the one from the Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. Isn't that a wonderful thought? It all comes down to this. God is saving His people and all of this is represented by this city of Jerusalem. Now, this is the Jerusalem that I'm looking for. It is the one that the righteousness thereof goes forth as brightness and the salvation as a lamp that burneth. Abraham looked for this city, right? I believe Abraham, it's no doubt that Abraham looked for this city. And we, again, we know this scripture, but in Hebrews then, in chapter 11, that that chapter that we, we generally refer to as the, the chapter of the heroes of faith. And certainly Abraham was one of them. But in verse 8 of that chapter it says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for inheritance, obeyed, and he went out and not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles, with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. 
For he looked for a city, and what kind of a city did he look for? A city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is who? God. Is that the city you're looking for? It is me. I, I'm looking for that city. I, I, I'm with Abraham there. I'm looking for that city. I'm longing for that city. I'm tired of this one. And I'm like the Apostle Paul, I hope to some degree. You know, I'm willing to stay here as long as God has a purpose for me to be here. But dearly beloved, whenever it comes time, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go to that city. I'm looking for that city. And someday, someday, that city is going to come down out of heaven from God, right? And we'll get into that maybe in a few moments. But right now, we can continue on with this. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky and multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith. They all died believing, right? They all died looking for that city. They died having not received the promises, but having seen them afar off. Now, I submit to you today that uh, it may be, this city may still be a ways off, but folks, it's not nearly as far off as it was in Abraham's day. And it's encouraging to me to read these words. And it's encouraging to me to know the end result. I've often liked to read Vance Havner's uh, comments. And uh, Vance Havner said that when, you know, he, he, he uh, liked to read the book of Revelation because he knew the end from the beginning. Dearly beloved, we know the end. We've known the end from the beginning, have we not? Do you not know? Surely you do. That God has had a purpose from before the foundation of the world. And that purpose is found right here in our scriptures. It's in even in our text. And that purpose is to glorify His name with salvation. So He goes on. But having seen them afar off, 
and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from where whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, and heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. We also have the promise of our Lord Jesus, don't we, in John chapter 14. Let not your hearts be troubled, right? Let not be afraid. Why not? Well, because there is a city. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are what? Many what? Mansions. When I was a boy, my grandmother was blind. Never heard her say too many things. She was mostly quiet and silent. Seemed to be very much contented in her lot. But we would go to church and sometimes we would sing an old song. And the old song said, Build me a cabin in the corner of glory land. And I think every time we sang that old song, we get home, Mama Knox would say, there ain't no cabins in glory land. And there ain't this. <laughs> it's all mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, what will he do? He's going to come again and receive us unto himself that where he is, there we shall be also. And it's going to be forever and ever and ever. And so here's the city. Here's the city that I'm looking for. And again, I, I believe that this, this re representation of Jerusalem and the Holy Land I believe it represents more than most people understand it to, to represent. Uh, for instance, in, in Genesis chapter 13, we have the promise of God, the first, the first promise of God as relates to this city and this holy land. In Genesis 13 and verse 14, it says, And the Lord said unto Abram, after that Lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art northward, and southward, and eastward, and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. Now, most of the time we, we think of that as just the land that, that we call Israel. But I believe that I, that the Bible teaches us that it's not just the land of Israel that we know of in a physical sense, but I believe it's the whole world. God promised Abraham the whole world. You realize that, you know, you can see 
or in vanity. I don't believe that God limited his promise to Abraham to just this one small country. I believe he gave him the whole world in a promise. Look in Romans chapter 4 and verse 13. He says, for the promise that he should be the heir of what? The heir of the world. Was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Now that's what he's promising in Jerusalem, isn't it? The righteousness of that goes forth in brightness and as a lamp that burneth. Now, we could go on with that, but I'm simply saying this, that, uh, uh, again, that God has promised the whole world to Abraham. But it's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Right? He promised them a new heavens and a new earth. Isaiah chapter 65 in verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. And the former shall not be remembered, nor come into mind. You know, when we get troubled about the things that are going on in the world today, and they are troublesome, I, I admit they're, they're troublesome, uh, I hope and pray that uh, they're not so troublesome that, uh, that they affect our faith. I hope that they're not so troublesome that we forget God. But, yes, they are troublesome. But, folks, when we think about that, we need to be thinking really about the fact that God is in the process of bringing to fruition all of his promises, all of his determinations, everything that he has purposed in Christ. What a comfort it is to my heart, and I believe it is to yours, I know it is to yours if you are a child of God, is the fact that God made a covenant with Abraham, uh, with Jesus. He made a covenant with Jesus. He did make a covenant with Abraham, didn't he? But uh, he made a covenant first with Jesus. And that covenant was that he was going to give him a people to the praise of his name. And so the promise of Jesus in that sixth chapter of the Gospel of John, right, 
all that the Father give unto me shall come unto me. And he that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. But three times in that passage of Scripture, I'm talking about the sixth chapter of John, he makes this declaration, and I will raise them up at the last day. God, in, in promising this to Jerusalem, to Zion, to Jerusalem, he is making that promise to you and to me as his people. I hate sin. Brother Carl, I hate sin. You hate sin. I can tell it by your prayers. But every one of God's people hates sin. I want to be through with it. I just want to be through with it. And when he talks about the, 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 the righteousness going forth as, as brightness and the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth, he is, he's talking about the fact that there's going to be no sin there. The Apostle Peter tells us this, in, doesn't he? In the third chapter of, the, of Second Peter, he tells us that, that, that this world and the heavens are going to, to, to be burnt up. They're going to disappear. But he said, nevertheless, we look for new heavens and a new earth. And then he puts this in there he says wherein dwelleth righteousness in this new heaven in this new earth when we have put on when this corruption has put on incorruption and this mortality has put on immortality and that victory has been won Folks, not only will we not sin anymore, there will not even be a temptation to sin. I'm looking for that. And I know, I know today that if you're, if you're one of God's children, you're looking for that. You're longing for it. And you can't wait for that day. To come. And it will come. Because it has been determined from before the foundation of the world that it will come. And everything, everything that's happened, everything that is happening, and everything that will happen from this moment on is all a part of God's purpose in bringing this all to pass. You say, well, I don't understand. I don't understand why 
Well, I don't understand necessarily either. I've, I've asked the Lord many times, Father, why do I sin? I don't want to sin. I hate it. Why do I do it? But it's all in the purpose of God. And my answer comes to me as the Apostle Paul writes in in 2 Corinthians. We have this treasure in an earthen vessel that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. Why God hasn't cast me off has not been because of my own righteousness. But the reason He hasn't cast me off is because of His faithfulness to His Son, Jesus. And His faithfulness to His promise. But it's going to continue. Now, some people say, of course, they, they accuse us of, of so many things. I'm talking about us Baptists, especially true Baptists, uh, primitive Baptists, uh, people that, that believe in, in the sovereignty of God in all things. That they accuse us, say, well, you know, if I believe like you did, I, you know, I just go on and sin and not, not be concerned about it. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Why not? Because God has put His Holy Spirit in you. And you cannot not care. John understood it in First John. Chapter 3, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed, get that word bestowed, bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Beloved, now, that's present tense, isn't it? Now are we the sons of God. Of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. But note then verse 3 and every man that hath this hope in Him, what does He do? He purifies Himself. Even as he, Jesus, is pure. Now I know it's hard for us to comprehend that. But what he's talking about is, again, every day of our lives is a day of sanctification. Now it's true that the the, the moment that, that God gave us, brought us out through that new birth, 
our spirits were sanctified. But dearly beloved, as all of you know, every day we have this flesh in which is how much good. Nothing. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. So what do we do? If ye, through the Spirit, this is in Romans chapter 8, if ye, through the Spirit, what Spirit is that? The Holy Ghost. If ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the flesh, then what? Ye shall live. God hath called us to righteousness, to holiness, through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we cannot sin willingly, willfully. You will not sin willfully. That is past. There was a time, there was a time when the, the carnal mind, your carnal mind, was at enmity with God. Right? You know it's true because the Bible says it is and because that you have experienced it. You were the enemy of God. But then God rebirthed you, giving you of his own spirit. And that enmity against God ceased. A lot of people like to uh, use the, 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 the lapses, if you will, of people like David for, to justify their sins. And sometimes people mock. Oh, God God said that David was a man after his own heart and yet he commits adultery with Bathsheba and, and, and he, he has uh, Uriah literally murdered. How can he be a man after God's own heart? Well, read the 51st Psalm. And you'll begin to maybe understand that. But if someone said, David committed adultery, but he wasn't an adulterer. 
in heart. He repented as God led him to repent. And I submit to you today that yes, we sin, but you know, it's an amazing thing. Like, let's take the ch- church at Corinth. Were they sinners? Well, let's rephrase it. Did they sin? Yes. But Paul calls them saints. Does that strike you as amazing? (laughs) It doesn't really me. Because, folks, that's what we are is saints. Do you understand that you don't have to die and then wait years down the line and the church votes you in as a saint? Y'all know who I'm talking about. I won't, don't have to say it, I don't think. But no, you are a saint. Now, what is it that John says? Beloved, now are we the children of God. Now, <clears throat> how many other scriptures could we read? Uh, we, we, oh, I love to read, uh, for instance, in Revelation chapter 21, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse. Really? Yes. forgot exactly what it was now my wife was lamenting something that was just you know just not not good it was deteriorating it was not right and oh, she was wondering you know and I know she knew the answer herself but why why is this and I told her I said well you know it's just the old sin principle You realize again, you you know this, that when Adam and Eve sinned, God not only cursed, put a curse upon Adam and Eve, but he cursed the earth. And it's been that way ever since. And it's going to remain that way until the day of Jesus Christ, when all things shall be made new. So we could go on and read all of this uh, in, in chapter 20, uh, or I'm sorry, 21, that was written in 22. 
in 21, he says in verse 2, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Jesus came to this earth as what? As who? Emmanuel, God with us. Dearly beloved, the time is coming when God is going to be with us holy. going to be Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Now again, I, how's that go, all going to take place? What shape? What form? I don't know. I don't care. All I care about is the fact that God is going to be present and I'm going to be in His presence and I'm going to be holy, fully righteous and holy unto the Lord, and I'm going to be with those four and twenty elders and those four beasts, and we're all going to be there, and we're going to be, be be saying, "Holy, holy, holy, Lord God Almighty, who was and uh, were." Uh, I, I'll get it straight in a minute. Who was and art and shall be forevermore, right? He's going to be that. In other words, we're we're just going to be we're going to worshiping. We're we're going to have to leave here in a few minutes. Uh, we're going to cut this off, and then we're going to go in. We're going to eat some uh, lunch, and and uh, we just have to do these things over and over and over again. And then after that, we're going to uh, have a, a Bible study, and then we're going to go to the nursing home, and and uh, we're going to try. Uh, God willing to edify those people there to some degree. But then we're going to have to do it all over again. But in this holy city, it's not going to end. It's not going to end. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. And over in Isaiah, he says, and they're not going to ever even come into mind anymore. And so it goes, this is, this is what I am looking for, and this is the promise of God to his people what a what a promise what a declaration he has made and he's going to fulfill it now earlier this morning we were talking about the the fact that God's going to take a people out of every people and tongue and nation uh, upon the earth and about how he's going to do that. And we said, well, he's going to accomplish it by the preaching of the gospel. But, you know, the question is, why, Lord? Why, why didn't you just send angels to do that? 
he sent an angel, the angels to to uh, announce the birth of Christ, right? He sent angels in, in other places all throughout the Bible. Why didn't he? Why didn't he just leave the preaching of the gospel to the angels? Because he wanted to share his glory with you and to, with me. He, he, he had a purpose in doing all of these things. Um, let me turn to John chapter 4 right quick. In verse 50, uh, 31, it says, In the meanwhile his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him all to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth, and who is it that soweth? Well, we don't have time to but go back over in Matthew chapter 13 and read the parables there and you'll find out that he that soweth the good seed which represents the people of God is God himself. But he says that he that reapeth receiveth and he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto eternal life that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Right? This is why God's doing it this way. But now how does this relate to our text today, especially Verse 6, I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day nor night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence, and give him no rest till he establish, until he make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. God has determined to do it but you see, he's going to do it also by including his people as we pray. We pray that he will accomplish that which he has determined. You know why, why you pray? You do not pray, you know, thinking, well, maybe, maybe God is going to do so and so and so and so. If you pray the way you ought to pray, you, you pray that the will of God be done, but what you know again to be the will of God is right here in this book. It's another thing. People say, well, I, I just don't know what the will of God is. Well, 
first of all, you ought to read the book. But you understand what I'm saying it is that, that God it has set, he said, I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, and they're never going to hold their peace day nor night. And if, if you that mean, make mention of the Lord keep not silence and give him no rest till he establish and till he make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Now, uh, the, the New Testament counterpart to this is found in Luke chapter 18. Beginning at verse 1, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while... But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust God or judge saith. And shall not God, shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry, How long? How often? Day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. We continue to pray. God has set watchmen. Are we some of those watchmen? Are we praying for God to fulfill? His determination to make Zion in Jerusalem the righteousness thereof go forth as brightness and the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth or vice versa. But uh, are, are we doing that? Is your heart set upon heavenly things? As Paul says, it should be in the third chapter of Colossians. It is our, where are our hearts today? Or is there some worldly thing that's always getting in our way? That's always taking up of our time? Now I understand Again, there are things that have to be done. It's the commandment of God that we should work, isn't it? So if we work, is God pleased? But what I'm saying is, again, that deep down within us, there should always be this desire for that city coming down heaven from God that God's fulfillment to Abraham and his children of Abraham that he would 
that promise would be living unto us. And so, he which testifieth of these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come. Lord Jesus.